Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Morning, everyone. Welcome to the middle of a state funeral and welcome to To the News Agenda with me, Fleet Street Fox. And today I'm joined by the Mirror's senior feature writer, Julie McCaffrey. Good morning, Julie. Morning. How are you? Uh, first time on the show, so we're going to be gentle with her. Now, this is the People's Paper Review, so get into the comments, ask us your questions. We'll do our best to answer them for you. Those of you listening later on podcast are just going to have to join the queue, I'm afraid. So what have we got today? Well, the Mirror has splashed on the Queen's lasts. The last flight, the last return to Buckingham Palace and her last night before lying in state from this afternoon. Now, she flew down from Edinburgh yesterday where you've been, Julie. You were there with the crowds on the Royal Mile and as she lay in state in St. Giles Cathedral. So tell us about it. What was it like? Um, it was extraordinary. I think you and I both know that the Scottish public can be quite unpredictable. But the people I met in the queue and I got there about 6 a.m. and there had I thought I'd be one of the first in the queue. The queue hadn't even started to form properly. But there'd be people that had slept all night on park benches at the meadows. Um, and it was such an incredible atmosphere from even that time. Um, people were really dignified, warm, friendly. And the mix of people from, from 6 a.m., there was lawyers, doctors. It was a vicar who said he wanted to come and pay uh, you know, pray personally for the Queen. There was a homeless man who said, I've been homeless for 30 years, I'm, I'm fine now, I'm volunteering, but the Queen's been good to people like us. And there was a lady who, she didn't know what to do with herself when she heard the news about the Queen's death, so she bought herself diamond earrings. So these weren't the people who wrapped themselves in Union Jacks and wave flags and, you know, quite sort of hysterical. They were really ordinary people that were drawn there by a real love for the Queen, who most of them had never met. Yeah, and uh, that's quite extraordinary, isn't it? They still mm. sort of coalesced around this thing. Now, uh, Louise says, I feel for the Queen's children. They've got no time to grieve properly. Uh, Prince Andrew said, didn't he, um, when they came out of the gates at Balmoral to greet the well wishes, we've had her for a day, and now we have to be in the process of passing her on. That's the sort of the, the central tension of the royal family is that they are a family, like everybody else, they're absolutely extraordinary and don't carry their own pens, as we'll see later. But they, this stuff has to happen in public as well. And part of what happens in public while they're mourning and while they're standing there, that's the vigil of princes around the Queen's coffin in St. Giles Cathedral yesterday with Charles at her head and on one side, Edward on the other and Andrew hiding around the back where no one could see him. Um, part of all this is that it has to be done in public because that's how the monarchy continues. And if it's not done in public, then people don't feel that association. And it comes under threat. Queen Victoria had the same thing. Um, so, I mean, we've heard, overheard lots of commentators say that, you know, in the past few days, that these people outside, the crowds that are outside, 
they're all monarchists, they're all tourists, they're all a bit mad. But you didn't see that. Um, was that was that true of the whole time you were there? Was there different waves of people coming in and out? It was true the whole time I was there, and I was there 12 hours, 13 hours. Um, but I was just struck by the obstacles people moved to be there. So there was one couple who come from Stranra, so they've traveled the width of the country. And, and the lady, it was her 17th anniversary, they scrapped their um, celebrations. And the lady's husband was in a wheelchair and she said, I would have pushed him all the way from Stranra to get here. Um, another lady, she was also in a wheelchair and she's, um, she'd had chemotherapy for an incurable blood condition. She said in January when she was going through chemo, um, she made it, she put it on her bucket list to see the Queen. She was really sad that she left it too late. But on the day the, that she travelled up, her wheelchair had broken and her car broke down. And isn't that always the way? So she'd spent hours on the phone trying to arrange a new replacement wheelchair and an accessible hire car. And she drove from Manchester through the night to be there. She got there at 4 a.m. And That's an incredible level of dedication to go and see someone who's never met never met and isn't going to be able to respond to you i mean even if she was alive the best she could hope for from the queen is a wave but she meant she seems to have meant a lot more than uh you know someone that we know who passes away and whether or not we're going to go across from stranra to the other side of scotland to go to someone that we used to know when we were kids for example That's or right. someone that we've never known at all but because because so much of their lives are public, because it is this national soap opera that is played out on the on the world stage, we all feel like they're we know them, don't we? It was the that, same with Anna's death. That's the that's exactly what they were saying. They were saying that she's all we've ever known. We feel we've grown up with her, and there's another sense of she worked hard for us. She gave us seventy years, so we're now going to put in a hard effort to go and pay our final respects. There was one man who was a veteran, he was 61. He'd done a night shift as a security guard, come straight out after his night shift. And after seeing the Queen lying at rest, he went straight back on to night shift. And I said, you're going to be exhausted. And he said, well, I'll sleep another day. Um, she gave us 70 years. It's the least I could do. Now, Louise says, I have to admit, it's all done so beautifully. And obviously, they've had a lot of planning for this. They've known how to do it. The Queen was involved with the planning for her funeral uh, and knew kind of roughly what was going to happen, depending on you know where she died. It was always said that Anne was going to follow her, bring her home. If she died in Scotland, you know, if she died somewhere else, it was going to be somebody else that would have done it, all the rest of it. But uh, it's been beautifully organised, as Lulu says, but also... Beautifully received, I think, by the public generally, um, although there have been a few bits of uh, abuse and that hurled. Um, but get into the comments. Ask us your questions. What do you how do you feel it's going? Do you think it's all too much? Do you think that um, the coverage and the hoo-ha is, is o overdone or do you think it hits the right note? Do you think there should be more done? Do you think people perhaps aren't showing enough respect? Let us know what you think. Now, today, crowds are forming already in Westminster, despite a heavy bank of rain that's going to be there all morning. And lots of dire warnings about a 35 hour queue with nowhere to sit down. And Julie, I know you'll join me in saying that our hopes and prayers are with those Fleet Street colleagues of ours who are having to sit in that queue um, for a first person experience piece. 
yeah. uh, with only a notebook to sustain them. And of course, the bladder of absolute kids. Yeah. Um, and they'll only be able to interview the people that are stood closest to them for maybe two days. So uh, but it, it does seem that the mood is changing a bit, doesn't it? As outside Buckingham Palace earlier in the week, I don't know if it was like in Edinburgh, but earlier in the week, there was a lot of selfies and camera flashes yeah. and le level of tourists coming in to see what was going on, people going, I ought to be here, um, and bystanders, I suppose. Whereas now it seems to be there are people who've made an effort to get there, who've thought about it and are compelled to be there they've got more personal reasons and the, and the atmosphere there now is more somber it's more quiet journalists who have been down there are saying I feel quite bad you know interrupting people's um reflections saying excuse me can I ask you what you're doing here well we all know what you're doing here but I want to ask you about it you know yeah things have changed a bit with this reality I suppose of actually seeing her coffin is the thing that's done it isn't it yeah, that's it. There is this, it's, it's a really strong feeling of quiet respect. So it, it struck me as odd, but just before we went into the cathedral, and by this time, the people around me had been with them for a good 12 hours. We kind of, we were strongly bonded, actually. There was texts, uh, you know, numbers changed, invitations for dinner, all sorts. One lady said, I'm part of our family now. But as we all went to file into the cathedral. I noticed I did it too. We all tidied ourselves and we, I straightened my lapels. We took fluff off our um, jackets. Um, and that was, I don't know why we felt we needed to look our tidiest for the queen, but about intruding on people's feelings. There was a lady um, called Veronica who was so moved by the queen. And she'd, she'd, I think she caught a glimpse of her once in the seventies. And she was just in front of me. And in the cathedral, she really broke down. And I wanted to reach out, just, you know, squeeze her arm, but I, I felt I couldn't intrude on her moment. And outside, she squeezed my arm and she was in tears and said that was the most privileged moment of her life. So it's a difficult balance. You want to speak to people, but it's intensely personal at the same time. Yeah. And uh, I also uh, a shout out to all those journalists who are doing such a good job mm -hmm. of asking these sensitive questions at such a difficult time now mike says is it better to allow a few dissenting voices to air their opinions of the monarchy be shouted down and move on or to bring the full force of the law on them now mike's referring to the fact there was someone there's a young man arrested uh, in edinburgh for shouting at Prince Andrew while he walked behind his mother's coffin. There was a lady uh, outside Buckingham Palace, I think it was, who was moved quietly on, but was videoed and went viral on Twitter about it, showing up, holding up a piece of paper saying, not my king. And I think there's been some protests out there overnight or this morning with people holding up blank pieces of paper um, just because they should be allowed to. And if you remember back at the start of the war in Ukraine, Julie, there were there were people in Red Square holding up blank pieces of paper and getting bundled into, you know, Russian state police cars and bussed off to the gulags for holding up a blank piece of paper or for merely describing Ukraine conflict as a war. Um, so we've had we've got this argument going on about whether it may not be the right time to say some of this stuff. And I think perhaps shouting it at someone's son uh, in the middle of a funeral cortege is a bit right but um we've we've still got freedom of speech we've still got the right to say how we feel about this stuff um and the death of a monarch is the kind of time that it's going to be said isn't it um 
where do you where do you stand where do you, i mean i suppose the police's point of view they're saying that this the kind of protests are allowed but from the point of view of a police officer who's down there if you see someone holding up something like that or saying or doing something like that the chances of someone who is down there who feels as upset as you've just described to us turning around and lamping them yeah. causing public disorder causing a fray it's probably quite high isn't it that's the thing now of course we all um we all appreciate freedom of expression but just at this time when people are are really feeling genuine emotion it's not the right time for that that's how i felt and when i heard i didn't see the man shout at prince andrew but when i heard he was arrested i was glad almost for his own safety because i felt he would have been lynched in that in that crowd um but i also think if you've got thousands of people who are there have gone to extraordinary lengths to say their last goodbyes. Do you think shouting something like that is going to make them think, gosh, I changed my mind. Yes, I, I now agree with abolishing the monarchy. They're not. So I think for your most effective protest, that's not the right time. No, and, uh, you know, I can remember um, sort of the, the funeral of Princess Diana and people who didn't like all that mortishness yeah. just turned the television off went and did something yeah. else yeah. Uh, and the funeral of margaret thatcher where there were protests particularly down fleet street when she her cortege went down there but she was a much more political and divisive figure and the queen for all her ups and downs can't really say quite the same thing i don't think she's due a protest on the on the funeral march louise says regardless of what people think she was a mother and grandmother most importantly a human being um that is literally the opposite of monarchy because they're not supposed to be normal human beings. But yes, you're entirely right. That is how we see them, Louise. And that is what they actually are. Monarchy is a construct we put over the top of them. But uh, without that monarchy, if we didn't have a royal family, if we didn't have this fairly smooth succession of the crown to the next person in line, we'd have perhaps more likely to have dictatorship, tyranny, uh, elected populists, lots of other things that they do kind of protect us from. Uh, in return for enormous privilege and wealth and also being locked in their houses 24 hours a day. Um, right, so we do have some other stuff to move on to. And, and one person who was with the Queen all the way back yesterday was Princess Anne, who also released a very personal statement uh, about the Queen's final 24 hours. Julie, can you take us through it? What exactly did she say? Yeah, she, she feels fortunate to have been with her mum for the last 24 hours of her life. And then she talks about how seeing well-wishers who'd lined that route from Balmoral all the way to Edinburgh, had, she found it heartwarming and comforting. And I think anyone who has a loss is, is comforted by that. Um, and she feels humbled. And then she says thank you to her, to her mum. So I think, it's a, I think you can just look at her face. You can see the pain and the tiredness that's on her face. She looks like she's aged 20 years in the last week or so um i find it really moving i think her devotion to her mother was always clear and never more so than now yeah and it's worth remembering for those who who weren't alive at the time or perhaps have forgotten princess anne was the original royal rebel um she she didn't want to play the game she didn't want to be involved she wanted to do her own thing um and her affair with tim lawrence when it came out well, not fair i think they were, they were both single at the time but when it came out via some stolen letters, some letters that were stolen from Anne's briefcase in Buckingham Palace, and the person who did that has never been caught. Normally, uh, the royal family, when that kind of thing happens, just don't say anything at all. 
or don't but she actually put out an extraordinary statement confirming that um she was in love with this man and that was what her life was going to be and she had the support of her mother for doing it so i think actually the queen sort of came to respect the rebelliousness a bit and the fact that uh, Anne has obviously worked very hard for the royal family ever since um now, keep asking your questions, everybody. What do you think about the coverage? What do you think about what's being arranged and going on? So this afternoon, I mean, the most difficult job any child has to do for their mother is to, to look after them. But they've obviously uh, got a great deal of pride in doing it well as, as well. And so Anne and her brothers took part in the Vigil of Princes in St. Giles Cathedral. Today, they're going to march behind their mother's coffin as it leaves Buckingham Palace for the final time. But uh, one of the children who's not having quite such a good time with it all uh, is, and also trying to make sure everything's done well, of course, is King Charles. I keep wanting to call him Prince, but he's King Charles now. And he's gone a bit viral overnight because he's had a bit of a tantrum during his visit to Northern Ireland. So he had to sign a, a book of condolence, whatever, a guest book of some sort, with a fountain pen that was provided for him. And he got the date wrong to start with. And then he found that the pen was leaking all over his hand. And as he passed it to Camilla, she says, oh, no, it's going everywhere. He's furious and is delving in his pocket for a handkerchief. I, I suppose taking the one out of his breast pocket, which is nice. Such good. Another one, a proper one for wiping. Um, and says, oh, they, they do this every stinking time. And he's genuinely livid, furious. Whereas Camilla sits down and just quietly signs the book. Um, now... Julie, is this like a, a sign of a, a petulant monarch who's just prone to temper? Because I can't imagine the Queen ever quite doing that. Or is it a son who's barely slept for a week and has a very gruelling schedule for a 73-year-old? What do you think? I like his little tantrums. I do think it makes him look human, just like the rest of us. And I'm someone who's had good few tantrums myself, so I do understand. But at the same time, I cannot imagine the week he's had... He has barely slept. He's done all sorts of really tough work. And then he's got the emotion. And people close to him say he's actually quite emotional, um, but has not really been allowed to express it. So I think the chinks of the real king are coming through. And what I did admire was that, yeah, he had a little tantrum. And I loved when he said stinking because it's so childish. But he didn't take it out on anyone else. He's just furious at the inconvenience of it. And I kind of don't blame him. Um, but I feel don't... quite sorry for the for the official who put out the ink pen, thinking they would do a lovely, nice, the best ink pen we could find for the king. Oh, no. <laughs> we did, but we did see him have a wee bit of a trouble with a pen a couple of days earlier, and he's shaking that little tray of pens. I think he was worried that he might um, knock it off the table, and that would have been embarrassing. But I felt, I, like you, I felt sorry for the staff because they would have thought of everything except the pen. Exactly. Um, well, they've probably gone to a huge effort to go and get the best ink pen, proper fountain. They can't leave a bick out for the king, can they? <laughs> out the be you know, the bicks that have been chewed at the end, like mine. Um, they've gone and found a proper pen for the king, and it's just gone and exploded all over his hand, and then he's complaining about it behind their backs sort of thing. But I've got to say, Jeannie, fountain pens, as anyone knows, 
they, as you write with them, the nib erodes according to the, your handwriting and it becomes comfortable for you to write with. It's your fountain pen that's unique to you. And so if he keeps getting a new one every time he goes somewhere to sign a blasted book, then they're going to be a succession of really unhappy, unsatisfying pens for him. Why doesn't he? He's surrounded by servants. Why doesn't he have one with a pen? He has his own pen he takes with him. Doesn't that make sense? Total sense. We have footmen, we need pen men to just constantly be writing on warming up fountain pens for him. <laughs> Making sure they don't leak everywhere. Louise says anger is part of grief. Yeah. Give him a break. I, I suspect he's probably angry about the pens despite and before his mother died. I think every time a wall goes anywhere. Um, they've probably done something weird to the toilet paper or the pens or something, and it's quite irritating, and sometimes it, it will boil out. Mike says, as a non-royalist, I have every sympathy for this. A few days after the death of someone's mother, every irritation is magnified hugely. I had many a tantrum about minor hiccups when my mother died. I do think this is a symptom of his grief. I've got to say, if I found something, a mild irritation, and, and something my world has been turned upside down, I wouldn't just be going stinking this happens every stinking time i would be effing and jeffing to the rafters and probably throwing things across the room and trust me if that was the king doing it it would go that would go viral so he's he's being quite calm and did you see camilla's face it's almost as if she's seeing outside of her mouth not now Exactly, yes. Um, now, so uh, he does, has done great work in Northern Ireland, nevertheless. Uh, who would have thought Sinn Féin would have it in them to welcome uh, the first king on their soil, I think, for 80 years uh, and, to, and to be so gracious to him. So uh, hopefully continuing works towards peace in Northern Ireland with the next monarch as well, which would be nice, wouldn't it? Um, right, get into the questions, everybody. We're going to go to some good news in a minute, but if you've got anything else you want to say about the the king and his tantrums or his grief, uh, how the ceremonies and everything else are playing out. Do get into the comments and let us know. We'll wrap up at the end. But first of all, uh, we, there is some good news in the world. And although it's quite heavily pixelated due to technical issues, here it is. Now, uh, this show isn't always warm and loving about cats because they're word I can't use. <laughs> This one, it appears, does have a heart. So the story is that Trevor and Pauline Robinson from Durham uh, lost their cat Georgie in 2016. They did everything to find her, but they gave up hope. Uh, and six years later, last month, the RSPCA was called to rescue a stray cat that appeared to be living on scraps left out by people. And a microchip check proved that it was Georgie and they were finally reunited now pauline says that georgie rushed to give her a cuddle there they are reunited at last isn't it lovely the cat plainly has a heart and a memory for the person that um loves it the most but she was found only 200 yards away from home julie so she, the cat wasn't that bothered was she the cat was either in a massive huff with something <laughs> going on at home or is deeply manipulative to put his put her owner through that but also it says she was flea-bitten and skinny and horrible by the time they found her. And I would have taped up that cat flap. I just, I've said my goodbyes, off you go. I wouldn't have that, <laughs> sorry. Well, at least the RSPCA found her and got her home. Yeah. And, and hopefully Georgie won't go walk about again and will actually remember the benefits of home and domestication <laughs> as opposed to going out and fending for yourself, which tends to tends to go horribly wrong. Um, now, uh, I think... We do have some other uh, 
questions uh we'll just wrap up at the end uh, about the queen before we go to those uh the westminster timings this week some of which are going to be on the mirrors uh video pages so you can watch them here the pat the coffin will be leaving buckingham palace this afternoon at 2 22 p.m precisely don't know why they've chosen that time they just have uh for the procession which will go from buckingham palace down the mall through Horse Guards Parade uh, and then up Whitehall to Westminster Hall, the thousand-year-old seat of power where the Queen will lay in state uh, on a catafalque for the next uh, three days. I think she's there till Sunday. From, and the gates will open to the public from 5pm this afternoon uh, if there are any still standing at that point after the rain, of course. Mm -hmm. Um, so uh, do keep an eye on the Mirror's Facebook pages because they'll be covering that for you. And there will, of course, be reporters down there in the wet and the wilds do it, covering it all for you as well. Um, do we have any more questions? Yes, here we go. From Sovereign Ron. I don't think he is a sovereign. This country is a joke. Thank God Scotland will soon have a choice. You had a choice, Ron. You chose to stay. How many staff did he make redundant yesterday at these dire times? The answer to that question, of course, Julie, is 100 isn't it? Uh, his um, his personal secretary wrote to 100 Clarence House staff saying that their jobs were going to no longer be in existence after the prince became the king uh, and that they would either try to find them a new job in Buckingham Palace or they would have to move on. And of course, the same kind of letters will have gone out. This one was during the laying in state in St. Giles. The same letters have gone out to the Queen's retainers at Balmoral, at Sandringham and at uh, uh, at Buckingham Palace saying there's a new administration there's the door they're all going to have to deal with that aren't they? Talk about kicking them when they're down um, I, I do feel really sorry for them but at the same time if he's looking after costs already maybe that's a little bit of a good sign mm. and it is it is par for the course if you work mm. for the royal family is that if the member you work with is no longer in the family then uh, you don't have a job anymore, unfortunately. Robbie says, do you know what will happen to the Queen's horses? I'm assuming you mean the race horses, Robbie. Uh, I imagine they will get sold to um, uh, someone else who has a huge amount of money and the uh, tendency to uh, race horses. I would expect that uh, Sheikh uh, Maktoum of... Uh, who kidnapping daughter fame will probably be in the market for a few of them and who knows some of the others um i don't think charles and Anne and the rest are quite so keen on on running horses maybe Anne will have one or two who knows but of course the queen's best winners i think are in the past anyway but as a nice thought uh, the corgis have, have found a home so they're not being made redundant um and hopefully the racehorses won't be either but of course the staff are going to have to um find their own way through things perhaps with book deals who knows? Um, right. Thank you, Julie, for joining us. Thank you for having me. For your efforts in Edinburgh as well over the last few days. And like I said, everybody, keep an eye on the Mirror's Facebook pages because they will show you some live footage later on of the Queen's uh, final procession to Westminster Hall. Thanks for joining us, everybody. I don't know if we're back next Monday or not on the day of the funeral, but there will be some special coverage then. So keep an eye on the pages again, as I said. And see you all soon.